Ladies and gentlemen, I have no funny opening line this week. Some would argue I have no funny opening line any week. But welcome to another week of Convince Me. Um, I'm Andy Rutherford, joined as always by Mr. Casey Elrod, Mr. Brian Bennett. Gentlemen, how goes it this week? What's going on? I'm kind of disappointed you didn't sing for the 10th straight show start out. Hmm. Well, me, I'm doing pretty good. What about you guys? What's going on? How goes it? Doing, doing well. And today we are covering a topic voted on by you guys uh, over on Twitter. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Convince Me Show so you can jump in uh, on these future polls. Uh, of course, we're on Facebook. Some of you are watching us live on Facebook Tuesday night. Uh, well, live to tape, not really live, uh, but on Facebook Tuesday, hey, hey, yeah. I'm out. We're tape delayed, just like the NBA was back in 78. How about that? There you go. We'll get into that shortly. Uh, some of you are watching us on Facebook on Tuesday night. Uh, if you're not, if you're listening to this on the podcast, watching on YouTube, be sure, go follow us on Facebook.com slash Convince Me Show. That's probably our most active um, social media page right now. It's definitely got the biggest following. Excuse me. Um, Twitter, like I said, at Convince Me Show. Instagram, Convince Me Show. We got some pretty good numbers over there. And of course, if you're not watching on YouTube, you should go check us out on YouTube. See all of our past episodes, even some episodes that you can't find in podcast form uh, over at tinyurl.com slash Convince Me Show. Uh, and of course, if you're not listening to the podcast, listen to the Dead Gum Podcast. Uh, found wherever you find your podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcast, we are probably there. If there's somewhere you get your podcast and you're, we are not there, let us know and we'll get there too. Um, but like I said, you guys voted on this week's show, and to be completely honest with you, this topic is not where I would have cast my vote. But I'm glad that we didn't pick, because I'll be completely honest, uh, gentlemen, I probably had more fun researching this show uh, than I have any show we've done so far. Elrod, can you echo those sentiments? I can, and I had my preconceived notions going in, but the stats don't lie. And we're, we'll get into this later on. But the stats, very, very close for these two guys we're going to talk about tonight. More yeah, so than I thought. I, I was shocked. I, I knew they were close, but just how close they were when you really dig into it, it's going to make it tough for us uh, to, to make a point as to which one has the slight edge. An even tougher job tonight uh, is Bennett in the mediator role, who has to make the decision uh, on which one was slightly better. Uh, Bennett, are you looking forward to that? I'm not looking forward to this. I don't know why y'all give me the hard ones. Usually I not. get to trash the other side's uh, client that we have on the show, but if I'm trashing the other side's client, really trashing my own tonight because of the similarities. So I will try to hold back as much as I can in trashing Larry Legend tonight. Very anyway. noble of you. <laughs> If we haven't buried the lead enough, um, our topic of tonight's show, I know a lot of you uh, have probably been watching maybe the NBA Finals that just started off last week. 
uh, the NBA, I was just telling Mr. Elrod before Mr. Bennett signed on, before we went live, the NBA has really been killing it as far as this pandemic goes. When you look at all the sports leagues, I think the NBA has handled it the best. And the NBA is actually more watchable in a pandemic than it has been for me uh, in the last several years pre-pandemic. Uh, so kudos to the NBA. And apparently you guys uh, have NBA on the mind because you voted for one of the greatest rivalries in basketball history, a rivalry that without it, I don't know that we would – I can't say with 100% certainty we would be watching the NBA today, uh, considering where the NBA was. This week, there's the classic showdown. It, it's Boston versus L.A. It's Michigan State versus Indiana State. But most importantly, it is Mr. Showtime Magic, Irvin Johnson himself, against Larry the Legend – the Great White Hope, the hick from French Lick, Larry Bird. Me representing Mr. Bird, Elrod representing Mr. Johnson, and of course, as we said, Bennett uh, in the unfavorable position of having to choose a winner of tonight's show. So, Bennett, anything to add before we get going? Uh, no, I think that pretty much well covers it. Well, all right. Let's see who goes first. All right, see who goes first. Thought I'd make it somewhat fair here. I'm sure by now both of y'all have pen and paper ready. He's getting his right now. I see that. Yeah. Okay. That. Already ready. All right. I feel like one of y'all probably knows this. Their very first matchup, the very first time that they squared off with each other. I want to know the total combined points oh. for Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. Doesn't matter if you go over, I'm just looking for the closest. We're talking about the 79 championship game, right? Okay, let me clarify that. Sorry, sorry. The very first time they met professionally. Oh. Professionally. I'm sorry. Mm. Uh, let me see. Total points combined, correct? Total points for those two. How many points Larry Bird had? How many points Magic Johnson had with combined. the Celtics and with the Lakers? Okay. It's higher than one. All right, I'm ready. Oh, crap. I'm sorry. <laughs> and it's lower than a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> I've just put a combined number here. All right. All right. Everybody ready? Yep. All right. 47. 47. 41. The correct answer is 39. Ooh. That was actually what I almost wrote down. But I Larry, Larry Bird had 16 points. Magic Johnson had 23 points. Yeah, nice. And I believe the Lakers edged the Celtics that time. Naturally. So, really? Ruts. Both y'all went over, but it doesn't matter. It was just Let me go first. Right? So Let me go first. I'm assuming, Rut, you will defer. No, he's going to say. I'm going to give that sweet no look behind the back pass to Mr. Elrod, who will probably say half of what I'm going to say, judging by a conversation we had earlier. But that's fine. Yeah. It'll just shorten my opening statement. So I'll let Elrod go first. All right, Elrod, kick us off. All right, Bennett. 
as I said earlier, I'm not here to not trash talk Larry Legend because, in essence, if I do that, I'm trash talking Magic Johnson. And why do I say that? Simply put, Bennett, Irvin Magic Johnson and Larry Joe Bird saved the NBA. And why do I say that? In the late 70s, the popularity of the NBA was way down. You no longer had the Bill Russell Celtics. Uh, you had basically the 76ers that were somewhat relevant. Viewership is down in all the major cities. And matter of fact, the LA Lakers in this time, one of the most historic franchises in professional basketball, hadn't had a sellout in two years at the Forum. They're about to tank. NBA's about to tank. Matter of fact, the marketing budget for the NBA shortly before Magic and Bird come on the scene, $150,000 for the entire league. They don't know what they're going to do. They think they may fold up. Before Magic and Bird come on the scene, the NBA Finals that we all see today, it's viewed by millions of people, was on a tape delay. It was not even a live sporting event. College basketball at this time was leagues beyond the NBA. More people watched the NBA championship than watched the NBA finals. Several people in the media today have said that the Larry Bird, Magic Johnson rivalry was so appealing, and it makes a lot of sense. It represents a contrast in America. It represents the flashiness of L.A., that we'll talk about later, the Showtime Lakers. You contrast that with the blue collar mentality of the Boston Celtics, it's kind of a clash of ideals, a, a clash of culture. Now, I'm gonna tell you later when the Showtime Lakers and Magic Johnson are better than Larry Bird, but we have to understand where we're at during this time. So <laughs> the NBA got extremely lucky that Bird ended up where he did and where Magic Johnson ends up. It's most historic franchises. Even before they come on the scene, you get them in this spot, and it really leads to the resurgence in the NBA. It really sets the tone for the modern age. It sets the tone for Michael Jordan. I'll make this argument later. If you don't have Magic, you don't have Bird, Michael Jordan is playing baseball somewhere. I just don't think that he would play professional basketball. But let's get to the meat of this. You'll hear of stats all night long. Your head's going to be spinning. They're about equal. There's a couple categories where they're different. But here's how Magic Johnson is better than Larry Legend. It's got two things. It's really the style of play. Magic Johnson revolutionized the point guard play. Before Magic Johnson, it was thought that a point guard was 6'3". Six, six, Nobody's over 6'3 playing point guard. Magic Johnson stands six foot nine. He's about six or seven inches taller than that mark. He sets the tone for a big man to be able to play the one position. Larry Bird, great player. He was just a, I'm not going to say that he didn't really do anything for the small forward position. He was just another, another small forward. He, he didn't revolutionize that position. More so, than Magic Johnson at the one. I, his mouth is wide open. But he didn't do anything for the small four position 
comparably speaking, than Magic Johnson did for the one. We'll talk more about that later on. But the style of play that Magic played, the showtime mentality, is what set the tone for the modern age of basketball. It's what you see today. It's the fast break going down the court. It's the high-flying dunks. That's what set the tone for the modern age. We're going to look – we had this debate a while back about Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning. What was the deciding factor in that debate? Rings, championships. Magic has more than Mr. Bird. So at the end of the day, if it's about equal, you've got to go with the rings. Magic has them. Bird has them. Magic has more. And one more thing that Magic has over Bird, business. You can make the argument that Magic Johnson is a better businessman than basketball player. We'll talk more about that tonight. But this is a close argument. But at the end of the day, evidence is going a little bit more for Magic. You know, when you talk about um, Magic Johnson and business, he got some of my business, or I guess rather – my parents' business because they bought me this Magic Johnson uh, basketball goal. It had two goals on it. I think Rutt remembers that thing. I think that thing's still around. Nice. I think it's at my dad's. Nice. But, all right, Rutt, you looked like you had something on your mind while Elrod was giving in his opening statement. You got anything to say about Mr. Larry Bird? I have something to say about Mr. Elrod. You're an idiot. First. He's a sharpshooter. I mean, their sharpshooters came before for the small forward. Personal small forward to ever play the freaking game. You say he's done nothing for the position? No, he 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 doesn't add anything in terms of oh, oh he's bringing this into the modern age more so than Magic Johnson is a six foot nine point oh, guard. Clutch player. You're an idiot. Anyway, man, I say he's not clutch. He did nothing for the position. Okay. I didn't say he would do nothing for position. I said when you look at them, comparably speaking, for what they did for their respective positions, Magic did more. Anyway, incorrect. But, Bennett, mm. I'm going to take a page out of your book for my opening statement. We're going back going to take a trip back in time. March of 1979. Long before our time, well, I guess not long, less than a decade, um, for me and you anyway, not idiot over here, um, but March of 1979, there's a partial meltdown at Three Mile Island nuclear plant in Pennsylvania that's got, that's caused alarm from coast to coast. March of 1979, the first space shuttle was delivered for use to Cape Kennedy. March 1979, there's no such thing as a women's NCAA tournament yet. So as far as the women athletes go, Old Dominion beat Louisiana Tech for something called the AIAW title. And also in March of 79, the Seattle Supersonics and the Washington Bullets were in the closing stages of an NBA season that would end with those two meeting again for the title. But like Mr. Elrod alluded to, in a glaring sign of just where the NBA was in March 
1979. Game two of the NBA Finals on a Thursday night was not shown live on the East Coast, but rather it was on a tape delay um, because the NBA Finals weren't considered good enough for primetime television. As a matter of fact, if you go back just a year earlier in the fall of 1978, Variety Magazine published the ratings of 730 shows that appeared in primetime from September 1st, 1977 through August 31st, 1978. And of the top five shows in that year time span, four of those were sporting events with the Super Bowl being number one on that list. Not really that much different than something we'd see today. But to find an NBA game on that list, the deciding sixth game of the NBA Finals that year, you had to go halfway down the list to number 442, which was tied with a primetime television movie called Peter Lundy and the Medicine Hat Stallion Starring teenage heartthrob Leaf Garrett. Sounds pretty good. That's where the NBA was. But also in March of 1979, two extraordinary college basketball players faced off for the very first time. One from the factory side of Lansing, Michigan, the other from a small town in southern Indiana. These two men met on a court in Salt Lake City, Utah. In what would become and still is to this day the highest rated NCAA tournament final in television history. These two men met up and their sport would never be the same. Larry Bird and Magic Johnson saved the NBA. A lot of people, probably us three included, would say that Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player to ever live. There may not have been a league for Michael Jordan to play in if it were not for Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. And even if there was a league, they would have had no TV deal for people to see him. These two men saved basketball. Now, why is Larry Bird better than Magic Johnson? The fact is, anybody that knows anything about basketball definitely has these two in their top five of all time. Probably have them in their top three uh, for a lot of people. And to separate these two by looking at the numbers is going to be incredibly difficult for myself or Mr. Elrod to do because there's, there's never been two people so different yet have so much commonality, so much a lot from their stats to their mindset of the game of basketball. It's absolutely incredible, and I've enjoyed the heck out of researching this topic. But what I'm going to show you tonight of why Larry Bird gets that slide edge is because of what he didn't have that Magic Johnson did have. Larry Bird was surrounded by Hall of Famers. That's no mistake. Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish. But Magic Johnson was also surrounded by 
you know, the leading scorer of all time, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, another Hall of Famer in James Worthy, one of the best defensive cards to ever play the game in Byron Scott. Yes, the 86 Celtics team may be one of the best teams in history, but through their decade or plus in the NBA, he had less lesser teams, not by much, really close, but lesser teams than Magic Johnson. But more importantly than even that, he had less when it came to God-given ability. He did not have the God-given ability that Magic Johnson was born with. But he was able to take what he didn't have and get so much more out of it to put himself on a level that Magic Johnson was in. And it's because of that, while Larry Bird gets the slightest, slightest of edges over Magic Johnson. But tonight I'm going to show you why he gets that slightest edge. Mm. Mm. It's going to be tough. This is going to be tough. And ladies and gentlemen, if you want to see just how this goes, if you're watching us on Facebook, you're going to have to check in on the podcast uh, or on Facebook or on YouTube, excuse me. Uh, if you're watching this on Tuesday, it'll be up tomorrow on Wednesday. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, we hope to see you back next week. We hope you'll check out the pod check out YouTube, uh, check out this whole show, because I promise this is a show you're not going to miss, especially if this idiot over here is spouting off ignorant, nonsensical baloney, because I will tear him apart, and you will not want to miss that. So for those on Facebook, thanks for joining us. Check out the pod. Uh, for those on the podcast and YouTube, we will, will be right back. And we are back. Mr. Bennett, where are we heading now? All right, Rhett. Like you, where you took us back in time a little bit, I'm going to take my chance here to take us back in time a little bit. Just a little bit. Before these two had the rivalry, before they were professionals, I want to talk a little bit about their college career and maybe even throw in if they may have faced each other any, maybe any kind of important games, for example. <laughs> uh, Rut, kick us off. Talk about their collegiate career. Oh, only a, a little slot meeting there. Uh, but Larry Bird was pretty highly touted coming out uh, of high school and ended up getting a scholarship offer to Indiana. Indiana in 1975. Uh, when uh, Coach Bobby Knight, Indiana at the peak of their program. It's God uh, himself. Do what? It's God himself in Indiana. Yes. <laughs> um, but Bobby Knight offers a scholarship to one Larry Bird, and Larry Bird accepts the scholarship, and he packs his bags, and he heads to Indiana University, and he's there for less than a month. Uh, the, the big campus style was not him. He missed being at home in French Lick. It, it was not his culture. It was not his style. And he left Indiana less than a month after he had been there. He never had a conversation with Bobby Knight in the time he was on campus. He was there that short a time. 
of course, some may say, well, he messed up by leaving because if you'll remember that 75-76 season is the year the Indiana Hoosiers went undefeated uh, and were the last team to have an undefeated national championship. So obviously they didn't miss him much his freshman year. Um, but he leaves after less than a month and he transfers to Northwood Institute, uh, which is close to French Lick, uh, where he just took classes and uh, worked. He had a job while he was at Northwood Institute. Uh, he still wanted to play basketball, so he finished up his freshman year at Northwood Institute, and then he transferred to Indiana State in Terre Haute, uh, which was a lot closer to French Lick uh, than Indiana was. So he got to stay home and play basketball at Indiana State. Um, and this was a school that um, what we would call now a mid-major. They had never been to an NCAA tournament. They were very much a small school, but they were close to home for Larry Bird. And that's really, he was, he was a home boy. He was a homebody. Um, so he stays home, goes to Indiana State, and really single-handedly turns Indiana State into a college basketball powerhouse. By his senior year in the year 1978-1979 season, Indiana State went 33-0 in the regular season, made their first NCAA championship. That year, pardon me, I got stuff popping up on my computer. That year, in 1979, Larry Bird, small forward from Indiana State, won the Naismith Player of the Year Award, the AP National Player of the Year, the Oscar Robertson Trophy, the Adolph Rutt Trophy, and the John Wooden Award. All awards given to the most outstanding player uh, in college basketball. Larry Bird won all of them. Um, his career at Indiana State, he averaged over 30 points, 30.3 uh, points, 13.3 rebounds. So he averaged a double-double. He averaged nearly five assists. And like I said, this was the only tournament appearance Indiana State had. They had none before, and they didn't have another one after he left until the year 2000. Uh, so they get to the NCAA tournament. And lo and behold, they make it all the way to the championship game against Michigan State and other star player uh, of college basketball that year, one Irving Magic Johnson. Like I said earlier, this was the highest rate, and still is today, the highest rated national championship game uh, in tournament history. And Larry Bird, before the game, said he knew – they were so outmatched, he had to play the perfect game in order for them to win this game. And to be quite frank, he didn't. It was probably Larry Bird's worst game he played in college. He was only he had 19 points, but he was only 7 of 21 from the field. And I watched a documentary just today and research for this project. Like I said, it was really fun to research this topic. Uh, but even today – that game in 1979 haunts Larry Bird. He's still mad about it. He still gets upset and beats himself up over that game because he knew he would never have another chance to win an NCAA championship again. He knew his career would go on. He knew he'd go to the NBA, but he knew that was his only chance to do something in college 
uh, and it didn't work out. Now, that ended his college career, but before I pass this on to Elrod, I do want to say by the time he got there to his senior year, he had already been drafted into the NBA. After his junior year, the Indiana Pacers had the first number one overall pick and wanted to pick Larry Bird, and he told the Pacers he was playing his senior year of college because he promised his mother he would get a degree. He was not going to sign. He was going to play his senior year of college. So the Pacers passed up on him with the, top, with the number one overall pick because of that. The Boston Celtics coming off one of their worst seasons – since Bill Russell, since before Bill Russell played, were sitting in the sixth spot, and they drafted Larry Bird number six. And he told them, "That's great. I'm not playing. I'm going back to Indiana State to play my senior year." Well, the way the NBA worked then is that if you drafted a guy and he didn't play for you, you had his rights to sign him until the next year's draft. And if you hadn't signed him by the next year's draft, he went back into the draft. So there were a lot of folks, there was a lot of talk of who's going to be the number one pick. Is it going to be Magic? Is it going to be Bird? Is Bird going to go back in the draft? Is he going to sign with the Celtics? Um, and who would have been drafted number one? Who knows? Uh, maybe – Bird is, and he's an L.A. Laker, and this whole story has changed. But fate would not let that happen. Uh, Red Auerbach, famous uh, Hall of Fame coach for the Celtics, wanted to sign Larry Bird right after he this national championship game, but told him that he wasn't going to pay him any more than anybody on the roster. Said that he wasn't going to have a rookie come in as his highest paid player. Uh, and Larry Bird and his agent told Auerbach in no uncertain terms then he's going back into the draft and he's not going to sign. Not wanting to miss out on this player, Red Auerbach, against his better judgment at the time, but it turned out to be a pretty good deal, signs Larry Bird immediately after this national championship game in 79 to a five-year, three-and-a-quarter million-dollar deal, which made him at the time the highest-paid rookie in sports and the fifth highest paid player in the NBA before he had ever stepped foot on an NBA court. So, of course, that made the decision fairly easy for the Lakers. They drafted Magic Johnson, and uh, history was made. Um, but let's I'll, – I'll let Elrod tell Magic's college story now, which is also pretty dang interesting. It is. And before I go into the championship game – I want to take you back to Magic's childhood because this is important to understand the, the reason why he chose the college he did. You know, Magic's story, well, he was born Irvin Magic Johnson, or he was born Irvin Johnson. We'll get to the Magic part in a minute. But he was born in Lansing, Michigan, home of Michigan State, East Lansing. He was a son of uh, some GM uh, um, assembly line workers, he had six brothers and sisters. His mother spent uh, many hours each night cleaning their home, preparing the meals for next day. Uh, the father would get off to work at the GM assembly line and go to work at a used car lot, cleaning the car lot. And he also collected garbage on the side. 
You know, before Magic got the name Magic, he was known as the Garbage Man. This was a nickname given to him by his peers because he t Irvin told his friends that he was helping his dad collect garbage on the side. And he did that to make the ends meet for his six children. Growing up, Magic, he idolized Bill Russell, which is kind of ironic because, you know, the Celtics. He, itemized, he, he, he was iconic because he loved Bill Russell because he won championships. That's the reason why Magic idolizes Bill Russell. By the time Magic gets to the eighth grade, he had been thinking about future basketball. He was very tall for his age. He was a dominant middle school, early high school player. He scored 48 points at one of these junior games. By the time he gets to high school, though, this is right around the time that busting uh, is a huge topic in America. Uh, they want to desegregate the school system. Uh, Sexton High School would have been where he would have went if there was no busting. It, it was a loaded high school. It was going to be a great team. But the problem is Sexton High School is almost exclusively African-American. The local Michigan school board wants to send some of the black students over to Everett High School, which is a predominantly white high school. Well, this caused tremendous problems politically, uh, emotionally, uh, any problem you can think, this, this created for Everett High School. Uh, Magic's brother, Larry, went to the high school first two years before, and he was bullied. He was ridiculed because of his race. Larry is pleading with uh, Irvin, please don't come to this. Please don't play sports. This school doesn't deserve it. Magic kind of pushes that off to the side, says, no, I want to prove myself here. And the rest is history uh, because Everett becomes a powerhouse. Um, he accepted the situation. You know, it's, it's amazing how people will accept you when you start winning basketball games. And that's how Everett uh, in the community started to accept uh, Irvin Johnson. Uh, Matt, the name Magic comes as he's a 15-year-old sophomore playing for Everett High School. He has a triple-double, 36 points, 18 rebounds, 16 assists. This is going to be a common box score, box score for him going forward, uh, triple-double. The local newspaper writer for the Lansing State Journal gave him the nickname Magic because his game is Magic. Now, his mother hated this. His mother was a very stout Christian, and she thought this was a sacrilege nickname. She hated it. She pleaded with him, please don't accept this nickname. But he loved it. He, he thought it fit his game, and it kind of stuck. So magic is born. By the time he gets to his senior year, he is all-state, all-American, all-everything for Everett High School. At the time, he was the highest-ranked basketball player to ever come out of the state of Michigan. And he alluded to Indiana earlier, uh, right dead, being a powerhouse right around this time. The Midwest in the late 70s was probably on another level not seen since. You have Indiana with Bob Knott. You've got Michigan that just came off a national championship berth the year before Magic comes into college. You got Kentucky to the south that just won a national championship in 75. 
And you still have UCLA out there. UCLA had not had any uh, real competition in the early 70s, but now these Midwestern schools are coming in and they're still in their recruits. Well, the recruit they wanted was Urban Magic Johnson. So did Indiana. So did Michigan. Well, it comes down to his two home state schools. It comes down to Michigan and Michigan State. And if you read the, uh, the articles that came out right around this time, this was, as one newspaper said, this was like waiting on a Supreme Court decision for like abortion. The, uh, this, was, this was that level of a decision that was coming down. Michigan and Michigan State really hate one another as far as their athletic programs. And both of them know Michigan had just come off a national championship game, Bird. They saw Magic Johnson as the person that was going to put them over the hump and bring them a championship. Well, what really got Michigan State um, Magic Johnson was the fact that he was from Lansing. And it was going to be uh, it was going to be a very Benedict Arnold move if he goes to Ann Arbor. So he chooses the hometown Spartans. Michigan State was a respectable program when he got there, but they have never had much. They're not the Michigan State of now. That, that's the best way I can describe it. They were, they were middle of the road Big Ten. Well, with his help, they get to the national championship game in 79. The year before that, um, they uh, make it to the Elite Eight. Uh, but this is when uh, Kentucky won their first championship since the 50s, uh, 78 championship. Uh, the 78-79 season, you get this is where Magic Johnson, the legend, finally comes to fruition. Larry Bird won all the individual awards this season, but unfortunately for him, as we'll see play out in the NBA, championships matter. Magic Johnson bettered him that night, and he got the best of him in the regular season and the postseason in the NBA. Uh, Magic was voted most outstanding player of the Final Four. He was selected to the All-American team. He averaged 17 points, seven rebounds, and seven assists. And he led all scorers with 39 points in that game. And the rest is history. He was drafted number one by the Lakers. And that's going to set the stage for our next little chat here in a few minutes. But uh, both of these men, not too shabby. They were not in college very, uh, very long. Uh, for the respective programs, but they definitely left a mark. Um, Magic really set the tone for the later success that you'll see at Michigan State uh, in the later part of the 80s, early 90s, when Izzo gets there in the, in the early 90s. Uh, you can't really can't say Indiana State thing was really flashing the pan for them with Bird, uh, but both of these individuals during the time they were there had a tremendous effect on uh, – like I said, Bird getting bringing Indiana State is impressive to the national championship game, and Magic Johnson bringing Michigan State out from mediocrity to to a, to a ship, as the kids say today. Apparently, hmm. French Lick has only produced one phenom, so Indiana State couldn't really get it all going. <laughs> well, right, you mentioned I think in your opening statement about how both of these guys are easily in the top five. So we both know that they're among the all-time best NBA players. And 
that didn't happen by accident, obviously. Of course, they're talented, but there's also a lot of hard work that went involved in that. But talking surely on the talents or the skills that they had, what talents or skills did they excel at? What made these guys so great? And also, too, flip, I'm going to flip the scripts and – I want you guys to also cover any maybe holes or weaknesses that are in their game. And Elrod, we will start with you. Tell me about their strengths and their weaknesses. Well, as far as strengths, when I think of Magic Johnson, I think this is going to be the sentiment that most people will have. They're going to think of his playmaking ability. He has 138 career triple doubles. It ranks only second to Oscar Robinson. Other people may have had more assists, such as John Stockton, Jason Kidd, Mark Jackson. But if you look at the numbers, for example, Mark Jackson played 400 more games than Magic Johnson. I would hope that he would have a few more assists than him. If you look at the assists per game that he had, 11.2. 11.2. Now, I'll, when you look at the second place, person on this list John Stockton 10.5 nobody else is in the, has a has an average above 10.0 so magic is sitting there at 11.2 and the net, the third one is below 10 that's simply mind-boggling if you look at his assist numbers could have been even higher if not for two things in his first couple seasons in the league Magic is having to share the point guard duties with Norm Nixon. He's not even the main point guard for the Lakers. And he still had a 10.5 average during those years. It's, and he wasn't even the true point guard. When he became the point guard exclusively for the Lakers, his average went up to 13.1, which is a level never seen and probably never seen again. His stature, six point nine, six feet nine inches tall. This was like a center or power forward at that time that had the ability to shift. This has never been seen before in the NBA. A specimen quite like him. Now, Magic has to retire early because of the HIV announcement that he had, and we'll talk more about that later. But right around that time, he was averaging 12 and a half assists a game. He was not the scorer Larry Bird was. He consistently had less points per game. But the one thing that he had over Larry Bird was the ability to make plays as far as he made people better. You hear about that today, how maybe LeBron doesn't make his people around him better. But the argument cannot be made that Magic Johnson didn't make the people around him better. He was always a pass-first point guard. He's, he scored a lot. He was always very reluctant to shoot the three ball. For example, in the NBA Finals that he had in the 80s, he never attempted a three-point shot in, in most of these games. Never attempted a three-point shot. He, he didn't think that was his role. His role was the facilitator, not the shooter. Magic comes back, he retires in 92. Well, he retires in 92 because of the AIDS concerns. A lot of people were scared, you know, what if, what if we get it? 
is this transmittable by sweat, by blood? Well, as we learn more about AIDS, we learn that's not the case. So he comes back for like a reunion tour in 96. Well, Nick the Quick Van Exel is the Laker point guard. They put Magic Johnson on at the four as the power forward. And he averaged seven assists a game as the Laker power forward. Now, let's talk about a few weaknesses here. You, you know, not everybody's perfect. And Magic Johnson is no exception. I would say the weaknesses for Magic would be he was not a great defensive player. This was well known. He did not focus enough on his defense. And he'll even admit that today. Now, he did lead the league in steals two years in a row in the 80s. But he was never known as a Bruce Bowen he was never known as a Scottie Pippen-style defender. He was an average defender at best in the, in, during that run. Another thing, another weakness that I would point out is really self-inflicted. Magic Johnson had fame. He had money. He had stature. He had championships. And that made him very appealing to young women. And he did not turn any of them down from <laughs> stories that you read. He... It's a very big regret that he has, but he didn't. He was not safe about it, and that's what led to his um, HIV um, infection and, and later diagnosis. It's what led to his early retirement. If you don't, ha if he didn't have that, who knows? Who knows how long he plays? Who who knows how many more championships he he has? But I would say the two weaknesses that uh, that Magic has probably lackluster defense. And women in vain. That would be his two witnesses. Mm. Mr. Rutt, what about Larry Bird? When we look at the strengths uh, of Larry Bird, there's much like Magic, there's a lot. Um, there's a lot of strengths, there's very few weaknesses. Um, when you look at the strengths of Larry Bird, you might want to point out his sharpshooting. Uh, how great of a shooter he was, which he was, but I'm not – there have been other great shooters uh, to play in the NBA. The three strengths, I think, that really set Larry apart um, and really, I think, set him apart from Magic, uh, which is what I'm trying to do in this argument for you, but the first one is – and this one I don't think sets him apart as much for Magic because I think Magic was up there too, but Elrod didn't really touch on this as much. But his basketball IQ was just insane. Uh, being at the right place at the right time uh, on defense, knowing when to make the pass, when to shoot, knowing what the situation was. Uh, if this happens, do this. If this doesn't happen, then do this. He knew that without even thinking about it. His basketball IQ uh, was almost second to none, being in the right place at the right time and knowing what to do without really even thinking about it. Uh, the second one of his strengths that I think is because of one of his weaknesses and I think sets him apart from magic is his hustle. Um, like I said in the opening and like I will get mentioned here again uh, in just a second, Larry Bird did not have the God-given abilities that everybody in the NBA has. Um, you, if you don't, if you're not fast, 
it's hard to get faster. Uh, if you don't have a tall vertical, it's hard to really up your vertical. Um, there are physical aspects that no matter what he did, he wasn't going to change, but what he could control was his hustle. Um, the, the lunge for the, for the loose ball, uh, the getting back on defense, those sort of things. You know, the NBA for the last four or five seasons actually calculates, as we get more into analytics, what they call hustle stats. Now, obviously, back in the 80s, those kind of things weren't, uh, weren't calculated. Nobody kept up with them. But I dare say that if they had, uh, I would love to see those numbers uh, from Larry Bird. And it's nothing against magic, but as Elrod alluded to, magic has admitted himself. Magic was very much an offensive player. He was very good on defense, but he didn't care that much about defense. He didn't worry about getting better on defense. He didn't necessarily hustle as much on defense because he was worried about getting the ball back and getting back down the field or back down the court and facilitating the score. I think Larry Bird, as far as hustle stats go on both sides of the ball, really sets himself apart. And another thing, the third strength that sets him apart from Magic is the clutch gene that some people have and some people don't. Um, there were times where the press in L.A., were all over Magic Johnson. Um, Tragic Johnson was headlines numerous amounts of times because Magic could not get it done, especially when you look at that 84 finals. The Celtics got in their head. Um, Kevin McHale steamrolled Kurt Rambis, and the benches clearing brawl ensues, and after that, the Lakers lost their head and they couldn't do what they were supposed to do. And Magic made some terrible mistakes, made some terrible turnovers. He did not have that clutch gene, whereas Larry had a clutch gene like very few, if any, have ever had. Maybe Jordan. Above Jordan and Robert Ory in the early 2000s, I can't think of anybody I would want taking a last-second shot than Larry Bird. Again, game-winning shots, not a stat that was officially kept up with when he played, uh, so we don't have an exact number, but there were a lot of game-winning shots in the final seconds or go-ahead shots in the final minute uh, that Larry Bird made because that's who the Celtics wanted taking that shot. Um, so things that set him apart from Magic – IQ, maybe slightly, but definitely his hustle, definitely his clutch. Now, his weaknesses, like, I, again, there's not many. There's not many with bird or magic. Uh, you really got to dig deep to find some weaknesses. Uh, one, his athletic ability, and there's nothing you can do about that. He was very much an athlete. He was a very good athlete, but he wasn't an elite athlete, and his athletic ability did not match the numbers he was putting up. He had to overcome that athletic ability uh, to become a great player, which he did. Um, you might want to call it a weakness. Again, kind of Larry's defense. And it's not that he was a terrible defender. Um, he played more of a team defense than an individual lockdown defender, which Magic really was the same way. Um, you know, help defense, being in the right place at the right time more than just shutting a guy down one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, but something Larry did do that Magic didn't do, Larry did make the NBA all-defensive team. 
uh, three times, which Magic didn't do. Granted, they were just second team. He was never first team all defense, uh, but still second team uh, more than Magic. And and something I just thought of as Elrod was talking, what led to the end of Magic's career, um, working too hard may have been a weakness of Larry Bird because the back injury that essentially ended his career didn't happen on a basketball court. He hurt his back shoveling gravel to help his mother out during the offseason. That's where he hurt his back and, and started the injury that ended his career. So if he didn't work so hard in the offseason and Magic didn't work so hard every night, um, we could have had five, six more years uh, out of these two Uh but not not a lot of weaknesses really with either one to find uh, and a lot of strengths really to look at. Yeah, I think uh, I think Larry Bird should have had somebody come out and shovel that gravel. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> you said that you you say that Magic Johnson wasn't clutch, right? But what is one of the more uh, most iconic other, plays? Other than the hook shot, what other <laughs> shot? He has one. Or what about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar going out his rookie year, and they have no no real power forward, no center. They put Magic Johnson in game six. He goes for 42 points, 15 boards, seven assists. That's pretty clutch, I would say. How's that clutch? That's coming they through on the field. fairly handily, didn't they? Huh? You didn't have to be clutch in that game. Well, the team was down arguably the one of the greatest players of all time. He he subs in, goes for 42-15-7 in the finals. We always knock LeBron saying he doesn't show up for prime time. He showed up there. He's pretty clutch there. What did he do in 84? Did he, did he hit all his free throws? Well, 87, that was payback for 84. Uh, no, he says 87 is payback for 84. That's what he says, not me. Gotcha. Still, Boston media never ripped Larry Bird uh, for screwing up at the end of games. The L.A. media ripped Magic Johnson. L.A. media will rip anybody, though. They will turn on you like a hat in L.A. Is that an expression? Yes. Turning like a hat? Mm -hmm. Turning like a hat. Turning like a hat. Or did I just make make something up? That's pretty oh, great. No, I've never heard that before. It may be a legit thing. We may have our very first T-shirt idea. <laughs> you can make this some merch. History. If you're listening this is- to this or watching this and you want some merch, let us know because we would love to have merch made and have you pay us more than we pay for it. <laughs> but it would be cool. All right. So we talked a little bit about – their college career and we talked about their skills and what they're great at on the court. So how do these skills translate in the NBA? You know, everybody plays for one common goal and that's for NBA championships. So Rudd, I'm going to start with you. Was Larry Bird able to achieve this goal for national championships? And what about, maybe any other accomplishments that he garnered during his illustrious NBA career? Well, this is, this is a long list, and I'm sure uh, Elrod's list is for Magic as well. He goes um, off about five pages, all the championships he's won and everything. Anyway, um, 
The first one that Irvin Johnson cannot say came in Larry Bird's rookie year when he won rookie of the year uh, that he received 63 votes for and Magic Johnson received three. Uh, he trounced him for rookie of the year in 1980. They were both first team all rookie. Of course, Magic went on to win an NBA title that year. Uh, and what's interesting is if you will ask both of them, both of them are very upset about their first year in the league. Magic was pissed that Bird won Rookie of the Year, much less 63-3 to in the voting. Uh, Bird was upset because Magic won a championship, and that's what he came to do. Uh, so both of them had fantastic rookie years and were pissed at what the other one did uh, because these guys were highly competitive. They both talk about uh, – well, actually, I'll get into that uh, a little bit later on. But – Bird made up for it the very next year when he won his first NBA championship in his second year, uh, his first of three. Uh, he won the championship. Celtics won in 81, 84, and 86. Uh, in 84 and 86, both of those, Larry Bird was the finals MVP uh, in those two postseasons. He was a three-time NBA MVP, actually, for the regular season, and it was actually three consecutive seasons, 84, 85, and 86. And this was after finishing as the runner-up in 81, 82, and 83, his second, third, and fourth years in the league. Uh, he won Rookie of the Year, then he finished runner-up for MVP three years in a row, and then he won MVP three years in a row. Uh, he got off to a pretty good start. Uh, he was a 12-time All-Star uh, for his 13 years in the NBA. The only time he missed uh, was in 1989 when he missed a significant amount of time because of that back injury. Uh, he was MVP of the All-Star game in 82. Uh, he was nine – his first nine years in the league, he made the All-NBA team. Uh, so, for nine straight years. Then, 89, he was hurt. Missed most of the year, and then when he came back in 1990, he was second-team All-NBA. Um, in 1986, the NBA added the three-point shootout to the, their All-Star weekend festivities. And the story is that when they're getting ready for the three-point shootout, Larry Bird walks into the locker room where the guys are getting dressed and said, well, boys, who's taking second tonight? <laughs> because Larry Bird went out and won the first three-point shootout and then won the next two as well. He won the first three uh, three-point shootouts before that 89 season again where he hurt his back. Uh, but the first three, he won all three of them. Um, he was on, which Magic was too, but the NBA's 50th anniversary all-time team. Uh, and something else Magic never did, Larry Bird was the first player in the 50-40-90 club which means he finished a season shooting over 50% from the field, over 40% from the three-point line, and over 90% from the free-throw line. He was the first person in that club, and he did it twice. And to this day, there has only been one other person to do it multiple times, uh, and that was Steve Nash during that big run he had in the early 2000s. So uh, that's just really, I mean, if we really wanted to dig deep, you could find a lot of accomplishments, I'm sure, for both of these guys that literally could go five pages. Uh, but these are just kind of his top ones that kind of show just how great uh, Larry Legend was. And I'm sure Elrod's about to tell us just how great Magic was. But he can't say Rookie of the Year. Uh, he cannot say Rookie of the Year, but 
unlike Mr. Bird, he can say that he has uh, he has a college championship, and he we'll talk more about the NBA championships here in a minute. But I want to go back to something I talked about in the opening about how close the stats are on these two men. Total NBA seasons: Larry Bird thirteen, Magic Johnson thirteen. Playoffs played: Larry Bird twelve, Magic Johnson thirteen. All Star games: Larry Bird twelve, Magic Johnson twelve. Season MVPs: Larry Bird three, Magic Johnson three. Finals MVPs, Larry Bird, Dose, Magic Johnson, three. All-NBA first-team selections, nine apiece. All-NBA team total selections, ten apiece. Assist leader in the NBA, Magic Johnson, four. Larry Bird, zero. Steals, Magic Johnson, two. Larry Bird, zero. Now, I'll give him his rookie of the year. I'll, I'll give him that. But let's talk about what really matters when we're judging, especially NBA players. Why do we think that Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time? Because of the championships, the 6-0 and record in the finals, the fact that he has six championships in the modern age. When you look at stats, stats don't lie, Bennett. Stats don't lie. Magic Johnson, five championships during that stretch. Larry Bird, three. You look at the college championship. More often than not, when he went up against Larry Bird and the Celtics, they came out successful. In the regular season, and we'll talk about the head-to-head matchups here in a minute, and also the postseason. It is one, one thing that really stood out about this rivalry is this. During the 80s, either a Boston Celtics team or Los Angeles Lakers team was in the finals every single year from 80 to 89. Now, only two times during that stretch did a team from LA or a team from Boston not win the championship. You got 83 of the 76ers. In 89, you had the bad boy Pistons. But those were the only two times that Larry Bird or Magic Johnson did not hoist the championship at the end of the season. But I I talked about this earlier, about how this is a close argument. But the tiebreaker has to be ultimate success, and that is NBA championships. That's the college championship that Magic has. That is a tiebreaker in this argument. Hmm. Can I just point something out real quick? What? Of course the point guard led the league in assists. Over the small forward. I hey, mean, hey, he's he a, he a center playing as a point guard. Let's I'm be honest. Correct you earlier. You okay. said that Magic Johnson had the second most triple doubles of all time. That is actually incorrect because he has been passed by Russell Westbrook. Well, third. I'm sorry. The the stat not to here has corrected me. So I went back and made sure my stats were right. Unlike you, apparently. Hey, all I know is five to three. Change that stat. You can't. You can't. He was, do it. He was second at the time of his retirement. Right? Yeah. Yes. That's that's what I meant. And Bird was fifth at the time of his, but he's seventh now. So, because he... <laughs> he got passed by LeBron too, so Bird just loses. Is what you want? Yeah. It would be more often than not, he did to Magic. All right. I think this 
next topic is something that I think a lot of today's players can probably take this little segment to heart and maybe learn a little bit. But at least to me, I think that basketball should be and is a team sport. There's not just one player that can carry the whole team. You need a supporting cast. You can't just be one player and expect to find a whole lot of success. So, Elrod, I'll start with you first. Tell me a little bit about Larry Bird's teammates. Well, I'll talk to you about Magic Johnson's teammates. Um, oh, yeah, Magic. Sorry. We'll let him talk about uh, Larry Bird's. But no, I'll, let, yeah, I'll let you tell me about Larry Bird's teammates. <laughs> Kevin McHale. Danny With the switch. <laughs> One word for you, Bennett. Showtime. Now, what do I mean by showtime? You know, Jerry Buss uh, wanted Laker games to be entertaining. Uh, in this, in the story goes in the 60s, he was a regular at a nightclub in Santa Monica, California. Uh, it was an upscale neighborhood. Jerry Buss loved the excitement of the club's opening act, which included a dimming of the lights in the club, followed by a dramatic singing of the signature tune, it's showtime. After he purchased the Lakers and he bought the, the Great Western Forum, he wanted to have a basketball version of his nightclub. He wanted it to be cool. So like a, like a nightclub, he believed that there's going to be all this excitement. So he wanted to bring college basketball excitement to the NBA and to the LA Lakers. So he – he recruited uh, – they tried to get uh, UNLV's coach, the running Rabs. They tried to get him. They hired uh, Jack McKinney, and he's the one that instilled this offense where you, it's fast break. It's a fast break, just chaotic, rebound, outlet pass, pushing the ball off the court. And if you look at the teammates that they assembled, it's quite a, it's quite a cast of characters. During Magic's time with the Lakers, you got Kareem. Kareem was basically a holdover from the 70s. Kareem, at this time, was one of the better players in the NBA, but he was not at his prime or peak in, in, the, in the 80s, and especially during the mid-80s. He's at the twilight of his career. You got Kurt Rambis, A.C. Green, Jamal Wilkes, James Worthy, Byron Scott, Michael Cooper, and this was this was basically the modern game of the NBA that you that you see right now with like Russell Westbrook, with James Harden, just fast paced basketball, uh, uh, playing out in the '80s. It was basically like if you took the modern game, took it in a time machine, took it back. And it, this was something that was very new to the league. You contrast that with the Boston Celtics and the style that you're, you'll hear about from Andy here in a minute the only word I can come up with is just showtime. That's the appropriate name. That was the name given to this offense. Uh, one thing that Andy's going to say, which I disagree with, was that or he's already said this, that Bird had more ta- that Bird had less talent, less to work with. He had Hall of Famers, just like Magic Johnson did. In 2018, ESPN ranked the best teams of all time. Includes talent, includes games, won championships. In that list, there's two Laker teams from that time period. There's eight, the 84 Lakers were eight. Um, the 86, 87 Lakers were four. 
But the highest-ranked team on that list was the 85-86 Boston Celtics. So this notion that over the course of his career, Larry Bird didn't have as much to work with, I don't think that's completely true based on the talent and based especially on this fact that the Boston Celtics had the third-best team of all time in the NBA according to that list. That was for the just the one year, though. That was for the one year, but more often than not, he had Kevin McCown, he like later Danny Ainge. He had talent around. Right? Like he was LeBron James having Tyrone Lou out there for God's sakes. He had better talent than LeBron had around him, for instance, with the Cavaliers. He went out there with scrubs. He had bona fide Hall of Famers around him. May not he may not have had as much talent. Let's let's just say he didn't. But the fact is, he didn't have garbage. He didn't have garbage players out there that you just have one superstar and nine or ten other just scrubs. He didn't have that in this instance. So that's the thing that you'll have to realize with this. I mean, Magic may have had better players. Not his fault. Better GM. But he didn't have scrubs. It's true. It's not not Magic's fault. I agree with that. Just me just working with what he has. That's right. All right, Rut. Tell me about magic. I'm just kidding. Tell me about Larry Bird. <laughs> First of all, I never insinuated that Larry Bird didn't have great teammates. Uh, Bird, Robert Parrish, Kevin McHale's probably the greatest front court of all time. Um, <clears throat> that's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm saying when you look at the Showtime Lakers compared to the Celtics throughout the 80s, they had better years. Uh, but let's look, at, let's look at the teammates that he had. Kevin McHale, Hall of Famer, one of the best power forwards to ever play the game. Guarding Kevin McHale in the post was like being in the torture chamber. That's what he called it. Kevin McHale was a fantastic power forward. The chief, Robert Parrish at center, holds the NBA record for most games played. He definitely had longevity. He was a great defensive center down low. Um, also a Hall of Famer. Like I said, Parrish, McHale, Bird, one of the one of, if not the best front courts of all time ever assembled. Uh, the the big three in Boston during that era. But then we have guys like Dennis Johnson at point guard. Dennis Johnson was a very good point guard. Dennis Johnson was not a Hall of Fame point guard. Dennis Johnson was not an all-star point guard, but he was a very good, very serviceable role-playing point guard, much like maybe for those listening or watching or that we are more familiar with, when you look back at those Celtics teams from 10 or 15 years ago where you've got Pierce – uh, Garnett Allen, but then you've got the guy like Rajon Rondo, who's not breaking down any stat sheets, but is a very solid uh, role player. That's what Dennis Johnson was in the 80s. You've got guys like Danny Ainge, who's a hothead little troll, uh, who could hit, he had a pretty good shot. He was an okay defender. Another good role player who has gone on to destroy the Celtics franchise from the front office, but on the court, he was not a terrible player. I'm not a Danny Ainge fan as a Celtics fan. You're not. Um, as you can tell. Um, 
he won. He brought the guys together to win a championship. I guess I got to give him something. He also sold all those guys off, but that's beside the point. Um, in, in '86, this team, the best team the Celtics ever had, you had guy like Bill Walton coming off the bench uh, and being very good, very serviceable, which he also did for the Lakers during the '80s. By the way, uh, Bill Walton, one of the rare guys to play uh, on both of those teams, but. He had really good teams around him. That 86 team was phenomenal. Um, it's really right up there with the 87 Lakers team over what was the best team of that era. Uh, both very good. But when you look at it, man, Robert Parrish is a Hall of Famer. But going up against Kareem, the, high, the, the, the leader in total points scored in NBA history – You've got Byron Scott and Danny Ainge. Give me Byron Scott every dadgum day. Um, really, James Worthy is another Hall of Famer uh, on those Laker teams. So, yes. I need number one pick, too. I believe so. I think so. I, I mean, the Celtics had great teams. A single player, especially then, when people played defense – a single player couldn't win a championship by himself. And I'm by no means of trying to say, oh, Larry did it all by himself because he didn't. I'm just saying he had less to work with than Magic did. But still, he had great pieces around him. He had a great front court. He always had a role-playing backcourt. There was never a Hall of Fame guard playing for the Celtics uh, in, in the 80s, whereas Magic was the Hall of Fame guard in L.A., who also had Hall of Fame forwards in Kareem. Uh, well, Kareem probably more of a center, but he's in the front court uh, and James Worthy to work with. All right. I have kind of a small question. It's kind of, kind of off course a little bit, but not so much. Um, we're talking about teammates and – I'm going to assume that Jordan and Pippen is going to be number one. But for number two, who would y'all consider to be the best duo of our time? Granted, you know, me and Rutt, we're around in the 80s, but I didn't really keep up with basketball when I was two, three years old. So for the sake of the argument, I'm going to go with like from the 90s to now, who would y'all say is the number two duo? Kobe and Jack. Got to be Kobe and Shaq. You got Kobe and Shaq. My my other thought was Malone and Stockton, but I think it's got Malone Stockton. I think it's got to be Kobe and Shaq. You got uh, Robinson and Duncan. Yeah, that's another good one. Um, I know you probably think Penny and Shaq. (laughs) That's hey, hey, that's what could have been. I want to make this promise to you, Bennett. We're talking Penny Hardaway in this episode. You just don't know it yet. That's a bonus point. <laughs> that's uh, that's knowing your judge. <laughs> All right. So these two are known to have the rivalry that transformed the NBA. And whenever Bird and Magic would meet, it was sure to be a battle. So, Rudd, I'll start with you. How did Larry Bird fare? head-to-head with Magic. You know what's crazy? When we talk about this matchup that defined a decade, this matchup, this rivalry that saved the entire league of the NBA, what's fascinating is 
Bird versus Johnson only happened 38 times in an entire decade, which is insane to think about. I also think it's because of that that it made it more marketable that these guys are only playing each other twice a year in regular season, making those two games must-see TV. And then when they meet in the finals, it's an absolute uh, rating slam dunk, which it was. But uh, these two guys met only 38 times, including that 1979 uh, NCAA tournament final, which we've talked about uh, already. Uh, But we look at those NBA finals appearances, 19 games over three finals where they played each other. Yes, Magic took two of the three. No denying that. He did. But let's look. And in those 19 games, Magic's Lakers were 11 and 8. So pretty close. Uh, There is a three-game swing in Magic's favor. But let's look at what they did uh, in those games. In those three NBA playoffs, in those three NBA finals against each other, uh, Bird averaged 25.3 points per game, whereas Magic averaged 20.7. Uh, Bird averaged 11.1 rebounds, whereas Magic averaged 7.5. But again, Bird a forward, Magic a guard, he should have more rebounds. Uh, Magic led in assists with 13.5 to 4.6. Again, Magic's a guard, Bird is a forward, he should. Uh, field goal percentage in the playoffs, Magic had a better field goal percentage than them. Uh, it was 53.3 to 46. Three-point percentage, Bird was at nearly a 50% clip, uh, whereas Magic was at 40% with much fewer attempts. Now, that was the playoffs. They also met 18 times in the regular season. Magic's team, Magic Lakers, were 11-7 and seven over that time. Slight edge, but not just a huge blowout there. Fairly even. Uh, again, Magic or Bird had more points per game in those games than Magic did, 21.7 to 19.4. Bird had more rebounds with nearly 11, as he should have. Magic had more assists at 11.5, which he should have. Uh, field goal percentages in the regular season, Larry Bird shot 50% in regular season games uh, against the Lakers with Magic, where Magic shot a measly, terrible 49.6%. So that's just awful. Bird wins this argument. But again, three-point percentage, uh, 47.4 for Bird, 31.6 for Magic. So Bird, Magic's teams – Obviously, 11-7 and seven in the regular season, 11-8 in the postseason play. Magic's teams over that decade did come out on top more often than they didn't. Uh, but in those individual games, Bird performed better than Magic more often than he didn't. And obviously, as I discussed in the previous points, for a lot of those years, uh, save 86, uh, it's pretty arguable that Magic had better players to work with. All right, Elrod, you got anything to add to their matchup? Well, I mean, he's pretty much recited the stats. I mean, stats don't lie. But I will point out to you a couple things. One, I mean, Matt, there's no doubt that Larry Bird was the focal point of the Boston Celtics offense. Those early matchups, 
Ma- Magic Johnson is not the scorer. So, of course, he's going to have less points per game than Larry Bird because Kareem was the focal point for those early games as far as the scoring. Uh, Magic Johnson raised the level of his play in the playoffs. It's reflected on the stats, as he just uh, told you. Let's look at a, a, just a few times. Like, let's take 89, for instance. In a, in a matchup that he had with Larry Bird, 16 points, 21 assists, six rebounds, six steals. Now, why do I talk about this game? It was one of 23 times in his career that Magic Johnson has 20 or more assists in one game. That number is simply mind-boggling, that somebody can have 23 times in their career 20 more assists. Just one game for one for one game for a player, that would be an unearthly performance. He had 23 of those. Can I ask something? Yes. Did Bird play in that game? He did not play in that game. Okay. But he did but I'm, I'm showing you that 23 times in his career, Magic Johnson dished out 20. That that was not the point, right? The point is. This is something – this is like me hammering uh, Rocky and our uh, Rocky matchup that we had. A, if, if you listen to her show – or if you haven't listened to her show, go back and listen to that podcast. If you like Rocky, because Elrod talked about it for the yes, 95% of his argument. When it came down to it, more often than not, Magic Johnson and his team – won the game that matters over Larry Bird and the Celtics. It happened in college. It later happened in the pros. 11-7 in the regular season. In the playoffs, 11-8. So a little bit more improvement on the wins for Larry Bird in the playoffs, but he still doesn't come out on top of Magic Johnson head-to-head. And if, you, if everything is equal with the stats, you've got to look at the wins. That's, that's what we judge modern-day athletes on is how many championships did you win? How many times did you beat the other guy? Magic Johnson comes out on top more often than not in this debate. Mm. All right. Well, we're going to kind of change pace a little bit here, and we're going to go back to 1992. And these two huge legends put the rivalry aside and they joined together to represent our great nation, the United States, on the Olympic basketball team. All right, I'm going to start with you. Let's talk about their time together on the Olympics. Now, I don't remember the 92 Olympics so much. I wasn't really interested in Olympics at the time. I think I was more interested in uh, Ninja Turtles than the Olympics. I do remember the 96 basketball team very well. Mm-hmm. And they say that this 92 team is even better. So mm-hmm. let's hear about it. Well, it's important to note a couple things before we get into this. One, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson over the course b- between – they had, a, they had a shoe commercial together. And that's what really started the friendship between Magic and Bird. But really, this Olympic team is what really brought them together. And it brought them in contact with other big athletes, other basketball players in this time. But let's look at 92 and what the events that led up. Larry Bird is basically a shell of himself with the back injuries. And so is Magic Johnson. 
in his personal life. Johnson had retired from the Lakers in 91. Uh, he had the HIV uh, positive test. A lot of people around the league, a lot of people around the world around this time, AIDS is a relatively new disease. Not a lot is known about it. People think that this thing can be transmitted through sweat, through blood. They think, well, I can get it too. This is what really forced, I mean, Magic Johnson, there was a lot of people that thought he was going to die during this time because they thought that AIDS was a death sentence. Magic Johnson tells a story about getting picked for the Olympic team, about how it was almost like a lifesaver for his personal life during this time. He didn't have a lot to live for in his mind. Getting picked for this team, the greatest basketball team ever assembled, really brought life to him. They want to make uh, Michael Jordan the captain of the Dream Team. There's a big push. That's what that's what Coach Daly wanted. They wanted Michael Jordan to be the face of this team. But the people actually on the team have a tremendous respect for Magic and Bird. They want to make them co-captains, and that's what happens with the team. Uh, even though they're past their prime, they the people on this team know that they're not going. They they didn't have the stature to play on the dream team without the contributions from these two men later on. So they knew that George's time was going to come later on, but during this time, they wanted to pay respect to Larry. They wanted to pay respect to magic. A lot of problems developed before the Olympics. The, uh, um, there was a delegation, uh, the Australian delegation threatened to boycott the games because they were very concerned about playing against magic and, requiring aids they were very very scared but this backfired on them because the science was still developing but the consensus was people are not going to get aids by playing a basketball game this was fringe science that you were going to get aids from playing basketball um another controversy that developed was claude drexler basically said that uh, the only reason Magic Johnson was picked for the team was because everybody thought he was going to die. That was not a very popular opinion either. Uh, Isaiah Thomas uh, was also a very controversial figure during this time from his bad boy Piston days. The one thing that brought the world together, especially the players on that team, was their hatred for Isaiah Thomas. Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan let it known to the to the U.S. Olympic Committee that if you put Isaiah Thomas on this team, you don't get Michael Jordan, you don't get Magic Johnson. So they, they were not going to take that chance, so they left him off. But this is where I'm going to tie your boy Penny Hardaway, Bennett. A lot of people don't know the story. But I'm about to tell the world one of the greatest stories that's ever been told. Rutt was probably going to tell this, but I'm going to spoil it. In order to, this was the greatest collection of basketball talent ever assembled. Since, or probably up to that point, it will never be a more talented group of players than that team. Coach Shesky, Coach Daly wanted to basically test this team, though, because they were riding high, the, all the awards, all the accolades. So what they did, they understand that, the type of game that the Europeans play or the type of players that they're going to be playing in Barcelona. So what they wanted to do was go into the college ranks 
and bring college players in and play the dream team. This is a pretty good roster of players. Bobby Hurley, Grant Hill, Alan Houston, Chris Weber, and somebody by the name of Little Penny Hardaway. Little Penny. Little Penny. In late June, they pitted the dream team versus this college delegation. And what happened, the story goes, that Coach Daly wanted to throw this game in the favor of the college players because he wanted to humble the dream team. What he did, he tinkered with Jordan's minutes. He limited Michael Jordan's minutes. He was using all these crazy combinations of players. And what happened was a 62-54 to 54 defeat of the dream team by these college players. Uh, after the game, Krzyzewski pretty much admitted that it was designed to throw this game in favor of the other team. They come back later when it's more polished and this team gets destroyed by the dream team. So I'll say this about the dream team, and I'll just quote Magic Johnson. He says the 92 dream team was the greatest moment of his life in terms of basketball. For all the success that he had in the 80s with the Lakers, with Michigan State, winning the national championship, he thought the bonding experience that he had with his fellow NBA players in Barcelona was the greatest moment professionally they ever had. You know, you talked about, um, you know, you don't mess with Penny and Weber and Grant Hill. I think what if they, they beat them the first game and then maybe these guys let up on them so that the dream team could have a confidence booster going into the Olympics. I could be right. I you could know, be right. maybe, maybe that's what happened. <laughs> That might be it. You might have solved it. You know, the 92 Olympics, well, that, that team, they even had more controversy because I'd read before that um, there for a while, Jordan refused to wear the, the warm-up jumpsuit whenever they were going to get their uh, medal because it had the Reebok logo Reebok. on it. And he said that he doesn't support his rivals. <laughs> so they were able to figure something out, and they put a little American flag pin over that Reebok logo <laughs> just so they could get Jordan out there in that daggone jumpsuit. And the story that uh, that you hear about Charles – Charles Barkley was kind of hated too, but not on the same level as Isaiah Thomas. Charles Barkley really endeared himself with the teammates uh, because the story goes that they're in the hotel about to go to sleep they hear some commotion on the street outside. It's Charles Barkley going down the street partying with a bunch of people from Spain. He was always known as the, the introvert, but this kind of change of public perception about Charles Barkley, like he's a pretty cool guy. He's not so into himself. Like he's willing to go out and have a good time. It's terrible. Terrible. Rhett, you have anything to add about the 92 Dream Team? You know, I don't have a lot more to add. This was the greatest collection of basketball talent ever assembled and Christian Leitner uh, on this <laughs> 92 dream team. Um, both Bird and Magic, for the sake of this argument, well past their primes. Bird couldn't even practice half the time in these practices because of his back. Magic had been out for a year, had been ostracized because everybody acted like he had the plague. Um, but he hadn't played in a year, uh, over a year, by the time the 92 Olympics came. 
So both these guys are well past their primes. Really, their contributions on the court were kind of minimal uh, during this time. But just for the sake of this argument, I will point out the stats uh, of the Dream Team. Um, Bird averaged 8.4 points a game, whereas Magic, a measly eight points a game. So four-tenths of a point a game, Bird destroyed Magic. Um Bird out-rebounded Magic, as he should have as a forward. Magic had more assists, as he should have um, as a point guard. Uh, Bird averaged 1.8 steals. Magic averaged 1.3. So I would say that Bird was definitely the MVP between these two uh, when it comes to the Dream Team. But uh, really, both of their roles were, were fairly minimal. Both were well past their prime. Uh, and really, this was the second time these two guys were teammates because the very first time they met was when they were in college. Uh, they got pitted on an international team together, and it was the very first time they had met. Um, there's a documentary on HBO Max uh, about these two, uh, and it talks about that time that Magic said they were on this team playing in this tournament. But Larry said, he said they might have said nine sentences to each other. And it was, hey, Larry, how'd you doing today? What'd you have for breakfast? They didn't really talk much, but Magic Johnson said he got on the court and saw what Larry Bird could do. And he thought, I've got to play like this guy. And they both talk about they earned each other respect there because they both found somebody else that treated the game like they did. They both found somebody that wasn't worried about scoring, that was worried about helping the team. Uh, And there's one particular play uh, in that tournament where Magic's driving the lane and flips a no-look pass to Bird, who goes up and flips a no-look pass back to Magic Johnson, uh, who then put it in. And Magic said when he got the no-look back, he said, this is a guy I want to play with. He said, and later he determined that they could never play with each other um, just because of the rivalry. They didn't think they could play well together. Um, And I guess we'll never know because really the 92 Dream Team is not a good uh, look at what their talents would have been together. But that really that and then the Converse commercial and then really these 92 uh, Olympics is really what solidified their very strong bond and friendship that lasts to this day. Uh, Hold on, quick question. If you take Larry Bird, I'm talking about the Dream Team. If you take Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, and your boy Christian Leitner off the table, who is the weak link on the Dream Team? Chris Mullen. (laughs) Yeah. Who was a solid player in that? That's going to be my, my guess as well. I don't know. Maybe that that Jordan guy. He only had a couple years left before he went to baseball. Yeah, yeah. He was in the twilight of his career too. Think about baseball. <laughs> wasn't for Magic and Bird, he might have played baseball his entire career because there might not have been NBA to go to. True. This is true. Crazy. All right. So we talked about their contributions and their excellence on the hardwood, but what about off the court? What type of significance do they bring either in a basketball or a non-basketball role? And, Rudd, I'll start with you. What 
has Larry Bird accomplished? Larry Bird hasn't done much as far as non-basketball because Larry Bird still uh, is very much basketball-minded. Now, sure, Magic Johnson had – he was a businessman, as Elrod said, and a better businessman than Larry Bird. And you know who probably could care less about that? Larry Bird, because that's, <laughs> that's not who he was. Uh, Larry Bird stayed in basketball – uh, in 1997, he was hired as the head coach of the Pacers after he had been a special assistant uh, for that for their front office because he's from Indiana. He retired from Boston. He moved back to Indiana. Uh, started working with the Pacers. In 97, they asked him to be their head coach. And he said he would do it, but said he was only going to do it for three years. Said he had no interest in coaching long term, but to help out the organization, he would coach for three years. Um, in that first year, uh, the 97-98 season, uh, they went 58-24, and which was the Pacers' best record in the entire team history. Uh, and they took that 98 Bulls team to seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals that year. Uh, that was Larry Bird's first year as a head coach. He won NBA Coach of the Year that year. Uh, the next two seasons in 99 and 2000, uh, he won divisional titles with the Pacers, and they went to the NBA Finals uh, in 2000. And after that 2000 year, when they went to the NBA Finals, that was his third year, and he resigned because he said at the beginning he was only going to coach three years, and he coached his three years, and he stepped down. Uh, but a couple years after stepping down, the Pacers named him their president of basketball operations, a role he served from 2003 until 2012, took a season off, came back and served in that role from 2013 to 2017. So until only a few years ago, uh, he was the president of basketball operations for uh, the Pacers. In 2012, he was named the NBA Executive of the Year, which made him the only person in NBA history to win the NBA MVP, the NBA Coach of the Year, and the NBA Executive of the Year. Uh, as far as Larry Bird's impact uh, away from the basketball court, so to speak, there's not a lot. Uh, he's done a few movies, nothing really spectacular. He did have the role in Space Jam. Uh, where he How is it not spectacular? How, how are you going to sit there and wasn't spectacular. Okay. I mean, he wasn't the best person on the screen with him because he was playing golf with Bill Murray. But, you know, yeah, but. He's in Space Jam playing golf with Bill Murray and Michael Jordan. Um, he didn't lose his talent to these space aliens, so you can get on here and say that movie's not spectacular. He didn't lose his talent because they knew he had a hurt back by the time Space Jam was recorded. Um, He's up there golfing. Do what? He's up there golfing. Exactly. Uh, but just a couple, couple things away from the court. One you might not have known, and one you probably don't know, but it's crazy. Uh, one you might not have known, but you not might know, Twitter's logo. The official logo for Twitter is named Larry, and it's named Larry because of Larry Bird, uh, which I found interesting. And something I found crazy and bizarre, in October of 2005, a man in Oklahoma City named Eric James Torpy was convicted of shooting with the intent to kill and robbery. He was found guilty of these charges. 
and he was sentenced to 30 years imprisonment. Mr. Torp Torpy asked the judge that his sentence be changed from 30 years to 33 so that it would match Larry Bird's jersey number. And his request was granted. <laughs> yeah, why not? So Larry Bird, fantastic coach, fantastic executive, and he got a guy three more years in prison. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> Rut wins. That. that was too crazy not to share. Wow. Yeah, I guess we can keep you three more years. <laughs> Cost us taxpayers, but it's okay. Yeah, it's all it's all for Larry. All right. Mr. Elrod. Well, contrary to Mr. Bird, Magic has been very active in the field of business, and it really goes back to his seventh season in the NBA. Um, he met a CEO of a company called Creative Arts and Agency, and what they were doing was going around to not just NBA players, but other athletes as well, trying to develop a business plan because every athlete knows at the end of the day, retirement's coming. You can't be playing the sport forever. You got to have a plan. Now, a lot of people in the NBA at this time was going broke. Uh, once their career's over, they'd already spent all their money and they got no avenue to make money anymore because they're retired. Magic always thought about, you know, about how hard his father and mother had to work to support the family. He didn't want to go back to that. So what he did he became very, very business savvy. And I want to give you a quote. It's from a very respectable American. It says, I feel like I'm the Magic Johnson of rap. Magic was great on the basketball court, but bigger as a businessman. That quote is from a fellow by the name of Snoop Doggy Dog. And it started out quite well for Magic on the business scene. He had a late-night talk show on Fox Network called The Magic Hour. Didn't do, really do that well. Uh, the Lakers won't, really wanted to have some sort of role for him um, during his retirement. They let him be the coach. That didn't work out so good. He, if, if, if there's one thing Larry Bird has on Magic Johnson is he's a much better basketball coach than Mr. Johnson was. But the Lakers wanted to keep Johnson in the fold. So what they did was they allowed him to be a part owner of the organization. And Magic really liked having uh, that stature. So he starts venturing out. He has a record label called Magic 32 Records. It was a joint venture with MCA. Uh, Johnson uh, promoted Janet Jackson's album on his label. Uh, he later became a commentator for NBA Countdown. Th then this is where the business starts really picking up. The current net worth of his business ventures that he just has individually is $700 million. And what does that include? He owns a high rise in New York City with one of his companies. They own the Williamsboro Savings Bank Tower in Brooklyn, $71 million purchase. He has a large stake in Pepsi, in the Pepsi Bottling Company. Uh, he has a controlling interest in a life insurance company that has $14.5 billion in uh, financial products that they have. Um, 
one thing that he wanted to do was he wanted to have it more of an influence in minority communities. So what he did, he went to Howard Schultz, who owns Starbucks, their CEO, and he, and he tells Howard, you can be more successful if you target African-American communities. Uh, Starbucks, uh, for the first couple of years, did not uh, go out into those areas very much. In Seattle, it was not in the urban areas. Well, Johnson purchased 125 Starbucks stores, and right now their sales are above average compared to the, the white counterparts. Uh, so everything he's touching lately is gold. He owns a chain of movie theaters and most notably owns not the majority stake, but owns a very significant share of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And since he took over owners minority ownership, the Dodgers have had great success. They haven't had a world series yet, but it's coming. It's coming. If they wouldn't cheated by the Astros, right? It would have happened already, but uh, the Dodgers, he also bought a Class A minor league baseball team called the Dayton Dragons. That you may not have heard of them, but they have sold out more than a thousand consecutive home games. Uh, the Dayton Dragons. He also owns the Los Angeles Sparks. Uh, the WNBA has a stake and also has a major league soccer team, the Los Angeles Football Club. So he is involved in basically every <laughs> conceivable business that you can think of. He has not short-sighted himself at all. And the last thing I'll say is in 2017, Jim Buss brought him on to run basketball operations for the Lakers. And this uh, Magic's influence is what brought LeBron out West. Uh, he didn't really like all the pressure that came with it for the past decade. He's been doing other business. He hasn't been in the limelight. This was creating a lot of stress for him. He resigned. He was trying to get Anthony Davis to join up with LeBron. He couldn't do it, but he set the stage from the next GM to make that uh, transaction. And the, it's turned out pretty well for him, I will say. So he may not have been the coach that Larry Bird was, but he was somewhat, on the same part as, uh, as executive, and he was a much better businessman than Mr. Bird. Yeah, sounds like he just should have went straight into business instead of this whole basketball. Oh, nonsense. you know, made yeah. more money. Crazy. All right, guys, we're going to go right into our closing arguments here, and it couldn't be any closer I, I really don't know which way to lean I figured by now I'd have some sort of way to lean but I don't so it's going to come down to what you guys say. <laughs> sees angels he sees magic you see magic he's seeing Thompson all right all right I believe you go first yeah give me your closing argument here for Magic Johnson. Well, I hope you can see by now, we, we talked about this earlier, the stats in terms of the individual stats are pretty much a wash. They're about identical, and I'll echo what he said earlier. As far as two people that are totally different, the stats pretty much equal. I, I'll 
say this. Magic was voted one of the 50 greatest players of all time by the NBA 96. He was inducted in the Hall of Fame in 2002. ESPN Sports Century ranked Magic Johnson as number 17 in the 50 greatest athletes of the 20th century. In 2006, ESPN named Johnson the greatest point guard of all time. And they also said an argument that he could be the one player in NBA history that could hold a candle to Michael Jordan in terms of his success and what he did for the position uh, of point guard uh, for what Michael did for uh, the two guard position. We talked about this in the Peyton Manning Tom Brady argument. I tried to make the argument that you got to look at the stats. You got that Peyton had more, had more yards, blah, 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 blah. But you know what came down in that argument? It came down to this. It came down to who's got more championships, who has more on the line, who is better in the clutch. When you look at the numbers, whenever Magic Johnson and Larry Bird competed against one another, more often than not, it was Magic coming out on top. He may have had more talent with him. Who knows? We can make that argument for another day. It doesn't matter. Magic has more rings, and that's what we judge NBA players on. What's the knuckle on Brown today? He don't have as many rings as Jordan. Okay, he's got more losses. He doesn't have as many rings, and that's what we judge athletes, and especially NBA players on, is what is the ultimate, what's the totality of your success? And that's the rings, five to three. He's got the college championship. So when you analyze this, Bennett, you look at the numbers, this is a close race, but the determining factor should be championships. That's what it is on every spectrum in sports, is championships. Magic Johnson has more. And that is why you'll make the right decision. You didn't in the pay. I, I, was was it you or Rutt that was arguing for Tom Brady? I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. Was it you? Mm-hmm. Okay. You remember making that argument that it's about championships, and I am hoping that you'll think back to that and be like, "That's the same thing here. Magic is better. Magic is better. Better that business." Was one man. of my arguments. <laughs> Magic is better in the business sense. He's got almost comparable stats, but he's got the most important thing. The rings, the ships, as the cool kids say these days. So he doesn't have Space Jam, although Larry's got that. So he doesn't have that going for him. But he's got about 600 million reasons why that he really doesn't give a crap about that. So Larry Legend is great, but he's no Magic Johnson. Well, he should worry about Space Jam because Space Jam is one of my favorite movies. (laughs) And he was not in it. And I'm the judge. I'm just kidding. All right, bring us home. Breaking news here on Convince Me. The greatest NBA player of all time is Bill Russell because he had 11 rings. The greatest NBA player since 1980 is Robert Ory because he had seven rings, according (laughs) to Mr. Elrod's logic. I'm saying when you compare them, you got to look at the rings. The stats are comparable. Bird had three. Yes, he had more, 
Neither of them have the most rings ever, unlike Tom Brady. Neither of them have won hardly anything like Brad Johnson when we're going to go into Brad Johnson, Dan Marino. That's not the situation here. Yes, Magic has more rings, but it's not like Bird didn't win any. Bird won three. There are a lot of guys that would kill to win three. Robert Ory won seven. You said we judge everything by championships. Robert Ory is better than these two. He's better than Michael. He's better than pretty much everybody but Bill Russell by your logic, which is wrong. Don't get me wrong. I love Big Shot Bob. Robert Ory was a bad man. But here's the thing. No disrespect at all to Magic Johnson. The greatest point guard to ever play the game of basketball. I'm not making that argument he's not because he is. Um, and I don't know anybody else that's even remotely close in that conversation. But here's the thing. Larry Bird is the only player in NBA history with tw to have career averages of at least 20 points, 10 rebounds, and five assists. Larry Bird's versatility for that small forward position that he did nothing for, uh, according to Elrod, has been matched by very few in NBA history. He is seventh on that triple-double list uh, in his career. He was the first player, as I mentioned earlier, in that 50-40-90 club, and he did it twice. Maybe what's most impressive about Larry Bird and his game is that Bird would often call his shot. He told opponents how he was going to beat them, might even tell them the exact area of the floor he was going to make a game-winning shot, and then he did it. And he did that multiple times throughout his career. Now, Bennett, I've got a little bit. I want you to look at something, and this is for YouTube exclusive. Our YouTubers get to see this too. Um, podcast folks won't get to see it, but I'll talk you through it. Let me share something with you real oh. quick here. Oh, look at him with the fancy what? PowerPoint. You all can see this, right? Player no, okay. A versus player B, career numbers. We're going to look at Just to get – Bennett, stew over this list, and I'll explain to those on the podcast what we're looking at here. We're looking at career numbers from player A and player B. Player A outscored player B 30.1 uh, points per game to 24 points per game. Player B up on rebounds at 10 rebounds a game to 6.2 rebounds a game. Player B head on assists 6.3 to 5.3. Uh, player A slightly ahead on career field goal percentage from 49.7 to 49.6. Player B with a better career Free throw percentage, 88.6, 83.5. Player B uh, with 37.6 career three-point percentage to 32.7 from player A. Player A had more steals, 2.3 to 1.7, and they both had 0.8 blocks per game. Looking at these career numbers, which one, Bennett, they're, off, they're awfully close here. Which one would you say had the better career? Mm, it's, it's it's tough to say. A lot of these are almost a washout. I think the only one that really sticks out the most is free throws and three points. 
is a little bit higher for player B. And points per game is more for player A. Say it's wash. Hmm. I would say. I would say B is more complete. B is more complete. Is that your final answer? Yeah. Player B is Larry Bird. Player A is Michael Jordan. <laughs> there is wow. an argument to be made oh. for Larry Bird to be the GOAT. Now, no. I, I don't think Larry Bird's the GOAT. I said at the beginning of this show, we all agreed that Michael Jordan is the best player of all time in all three of our opinions. But when you look at those numbers, they're very, very much in the same league. If you ask their teammates, teammates would probably better be on a team uh, with Larry Bird from a personal perspective than Michael Jordan, who wasn't always the nicest to his teammates. The point being, there's an argument to be made that Larry Bird is the greatest player of all time. I don't necessarily think that's the case, but the argument's there to be made. Magic and Bird, you can't say one name without thinking of the other. They are forever tied. And Bennett, you were tasked with the impossible task of picking one over the other. My point is Larry Bird gets that slight edge. Larry Bird's on a level from a statistical on-the-court analysis as Michael Jeffrey mm. Jordan, putting him in a slightly higher category than Magic Johnson. Can't go wrong with Magic, but Bird, slightly better. Wow. That's crazy. I thought uh, player A was going to be my stats in NBA Street, but it was not. <laughs> You didn't have assists in NBA Street. <laughs> That's true. Okay, so while you guys were kind of going over your arguments here, I did a little a little look up to see if, if I could find one thing that would stick out that I could point to and say, okay, I'm going to go with this because this is what it says in black and white. So I looked up greatest point guard of all time. You know what popped up? Number one, Magic. Magic Johnson. So I was like, okay, so I'll look up the greatest small forward of all time. You know who popped up? Larry Bird. So that was of no help. <laughs> one thing that, you know, you brought up that, uh, that little graphic that had the stats for player A and player B. One stat I think you could also add to that that wasn't on there between Jordan and Bird at the very bottom would have been trash talking because <laughs> they were equal trash talkers too. The only difference was Bird did it to the opposing team. Jordan did it to everybody. His <laughs> team, the other team, Spike sitting at courtside. Okay. I took a few notes. I couldn't take down everything I said. It had been forever long. But the stats, they they are 
almost a wash. You've got you've got some stats that lean more towards bird, but they should because of position. Same way with magic. And then when you get down to the nitty gritty, they're they're so close. Even when you talk about their accomplishments like the all stars and the MVPs, the only thing that magic has over bird is the rings. But then I think is that all be, I mean, for sure, a big chunk of that is magic, but you know, of course you can't do it all by yourself, but he obviously he definitely contributed some stuff for bird. I think that he had more of the clutch gene for sure. I think that if those two were in a shootout, I see Bird winning more times than losing. If they if they did ten shootouts, I say Bird probably wins six of them, seven of them, something like that. The the basketball IQ, both of them have really good basketball IQs, but I think I see Bird a little bit more of knowing what's going on and what to do just a little bit ahead of his peers. And the hustle stats, too. That's one thing, too, that doesn't show up is how, you know, one little hustle play here or there that happened in the first quarter could change the whole outcome of the game, but it doesn't show up on the stats or you don't read it in the newspaper the next day. Like, oh, Bird did this in the first quarter that completely altered the game. It doesn't show up like that. But, okay, so there's that. For Magic – I think he's the he's the bigger playmaker. He has obviously the triple doubles, 138 of them, which was second all time when he retired. The big huge thing about Magic is that he revolutionized the point guard position so that you do have your LeBron James and uh who else uh KD for example, these these big guys that can play point guard, I don't know if you if you necessarily have that, or if they're automatically cast into another position because they are the big guys. Um, ugh. the one thing that it came down to for me, and it's so close, is that I think one person you get every bit out of them and maybe you've got one person that's more talented. So it comes down to the talent or <laughs> look at both y'all. Y'all are leaned in so far. <laughs> this is tough. All right. Tune in next. Make your choice. <laughs> I'm going to go with, Larry Bird. And I'll tell you why. Here's my only thing. I can't do it off of stats. If you go by the championships, yeah, for sure, you've got magic. But obviously, it's not all about the championships. I will give him that. He does. He, 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 he was a winner. He won more, for sure. But the way I see that with Larry Bird, you got more – out of him with less, if that makes sense. 
I think he was a more complete basketball player. And that graphic just blew my mind um, with him and Jordan, the stats. They're, they're pretty close. That was the I mean, Obviously, Bird doesn't have – Brand me a fancy PowerPoint next time. Show both of you up. <laughs> but, you know, I think I think Bird was better on defense, even if he doesn't have the three uh, – was it second team defensive, uh, all them. defensive team? Yeah, Bird has them. Magic didn't. Yeah, he had three of them. I think Magic didn't have any. I see Magic more on – more prolific on offense. And even him himself said, you know, maybe on defense, he kind of slacked off a little bit, thinking more about the offensive side. So the only way I know how to score it is just who did everything from offense, defense, intangibles, IQ, the hustle. But really it comes down to a matter of preference. You know, you could ask a hundred people, and it might go 50-50. I'm really interested to see how the people vote on our little poll. Yeah. It should be 50-50. By the time people are listening to this, poll will already be up. But I, I think so. And I told Elrod, um, I'm really admitting a lot here on a public forum, but I spoke to Elrod today personally on a private call, which is not something I just run around bragging about. Um, but I said, I made the point to him today Neither one of us can really be mad if we lose because this is – it's like last week um, with our Tupac and Biggie. I wasn't mad I lost. I was fine with that. Granted, Elrod's logic in coming to that decision sucked. But as far as the result, you couldn't be mad if you lost. This is another one that had you went Magic Johnson, I couldn't be mad. Uh, I'm very glad you didn't go Magic Johnson, uh, that you went Yeah, like if you went – Back-to-back losses, you wouldn't have been very happy. We got to keep you happy, keep you coming back. Because I do – I'm the backbone of this show. And if I lose two in a row, it'll be like Larry Bird's backbone, and it won't be very strong. <laughs> I don't know why you guys give me these hard ones. <laughs> have you enjoyed the show, Bennett? Oh, yeah, it was great. Was it, it was probably you- one of my favorite shows that we've done. And I'm disappointed there was no Forrest Gump reference in this episode. You no, know, but the only thing I could come up with was that Larry Bird was in Space Jam, and Space Jam's probably in my top ten, maybe top five. I'll have to come out with a list, but Forrest Gump's number one. Well, Jenny wanted to be related to Larry Bird. She said, dear God, make me a bird. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Why didn't I think of that? But uh, anyway, thank you guys for joining us next week. Uh, we don't know what we're doing yet, but maybe I'll be in a tough spot because uh, I believe, if I'm correct, it's my turn to moderate uh, next week. Uh, Bennett and Elrod will be going head-to-head. Don't know the topic yet, um, but we will, hopefully, by the time <laughs> next week rolls around. Um, but we settled it here. We're recording on Monday night. It is Mamba Day, uh, 8-24. Still can't believe this crazy year that's been uh, losing Kobe. And then now that seems like 10 years ago now uh, with everything else that's happened. Um, but due to how crappy this year is and being stuck at home, this show was born. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess it could have went a lot worse. 
Uh, but thank you guys for joining us. Larry Bird, slightly better than Magic Johnson, according to myself. And I convinced Mr. Bennett of that. Convinced me. And uh, gentlemen, any parting words from either of you? Well, it's only appropriate that we give, you know, Larry Bird another win, but it still doesn't put him over the top. Yeah, we'd have to give this to Penny Hardaway. <laughs> Penny versus Little Penny. That should be the next topic. I got Little Penny. Little Penny needs to make another comeback. Somebody get Chris Rock on that ASAP. Mm-hmm. Hey, Penny! All right. <laughs> Yes, thank you all for joining us. We will be back next week. Check out the socials, facebook.com slash convince me show, Twitter at convince me show, Instagram, convince me show, um, YouTube, tinyurl.com slash convince me show, course podcasts, everywhere you get podcasts. We drop on Wednesdays, podcast on YouTube, special preview of the show every week on Tuesday night over at Facebook. Follow us on all of them. Uh, you can get in and you can vote uh, for show topics on certain weeks like you could have voted for this one. Uh, for Mr. Bennett, for Mr. Elrod, I'm Andy Rutherford. Thank you guys for joining us. We will see you next week. Peace.